Welcome to Jurassic World. Guests, welcome to Jurassic World Minute, where we visit Jurassic World one minute time. Do we have any ACU troopers yet left? Anywhere? I'm Brad. I'm Dave, and honestly, I'm not even sure. I don't think we do. <laughs> They're going to be getting few and far between by now. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but on this episode, we will be discussing Minute 76 of Jurassic World. Before we get to that, David, there's uh, a lot of rumouring going around social medias at the moment. Uh, like Frank Marshall or Colin have tweeted something, um, being, of course, Jurassic June, and maybe some sort of teaser trailer or something coming out for Dominion this month, and a lot of fingers are pointing towards uh, Fast 9, Fast and the Furious 9, whatever they've titled this one, and uh, maybe a teaser at the start of it. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking June 11th. Just because one, the anniversary; two, it'll be one year out or one year before Dominion comes out; and three, it's on a Friday, which is a great time to release a trailer. Just because weekends, especially domestically in the United States, have a tendency to have a lighter news cycle, mm. and is not likely to get overshadowed by a larger story. Yeah. Yeah. Um... But sort of, we know Fast Fast Nine's been pushed back as well as Dominion uh, Universal's seems to be one of the last studios that are holding back on their films and not releasing them streaming and everything else because I don't I don't think they'd make much money on Peacock if they uploaded um, mm-hmm. movies to there, not unlike the Disney's and everything else. But um, they're finally locked in. Yeah, June Olympus has the uh, uh, release for Fast Nine. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk a lot about the contents of the teaser if it's included when we get to the uh, minutes for June at the end of the month. But it's sort of it's sort of weird. And if we'd look, if Dominion was going to be released this week, um, like it was meant to be, you only got to look at the box office currently. Movies like uh, Disney's Cruella, which um, has only been out for a week or so, and it's only earned twenty six million uh, domestically <laughs> for the US box office. So. When you compare that to sort of Jungle Book, um, Beauty and the Beast, and Aladdin, um, over half a million um, in the mm. box office, and films just aren't making that sort of money at the moment. Yeah, I think that, at least domestically, I can't speak for anywhere else, but I think Americans are still rather wary, despite the restrictions kind of um, uh, being pulled back and with mask restrictions being pulled back gathering restrictions being pulled back and all that, people are still wary of just generally 
um, grouping together in large crowds for now. I can't say for later in the summer, but I know that right now there's definitely a lot of apprehension. Hmm. And you just went through, or just went over your your Memorial Weekend, which um, historically one of the biggest weekends for box office for blockbuster releases. <laughs> and um, you got Cruella, <laughs> really. Mm-hmm. I had a quiet place twos yet, but that the horror movies are more sort of lower budget anyway. So, mm. well, this one was actually a Disney movie. It's supposed to be a prequel to um, Hundred and One Dalmatians. The uh, Sympathetic origin story of Cruella Deville, the chain-smoking sadist who likes to skin puppies. Yes, <laughs> <coughs> we all need that prequel too. <laughs> yeah. But we got the two uh, uh, magnificent, magnificent, maleficent um, movies as well for Angelina Jolie. So there's there's a crowd, and they they've done fairly well too, being um, non-original or being original sort of um, stories, but. Even even this year to date now, like Godzilla's the biggest the biggest uh, money maker for twenty twenty one, but it's only made uh, half half a billion, <laughs> really four hundred four hundred forty million uh, box office uh, domestically. So it's not it's not your uh, it's not your Jurassic or Star Wars or anything like that or your your Marvel film, but still uh, mm-hmm. at the time where there wasn't a lot of movies out at theaters, it's the big blockbuster that needed to be seen, but. Uh, Warner Brothers done the whole <laughs> streaming as well, and that doesn't add to these numbers. So true. And let's be at fair here. I mean, Disney is really pushing the um, whole live action remake uh, thing, and people are. I'm kind of getting the feeling that people are already sick of it. Like they are seeing it as superfluous and unnecessary, and just aren't really interested in seeing a movie like Cruella right mm. now. Especially with, yeah, concerning even that particular character. I'm sure you give me a sympathetic origin, origin story of the uh, Scar from Lion King. I'm all in on that. But Cruella de Vil, it's a lot harder to sell a puppy skinner as sympathetic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's got to be Jeremy Irons doing the voice too for Scar. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'll give it another year down the track. The vaccine's getting out there, and um, we might be a little bit more on top of things where we are. And Dominion might have a decent box office, but it's sort of uh, looking at the the whole Jurassic sort of franchise here, the box office and um, domestic for uh, the other films. Like we know, um, uh, Jurassic World getting that 1.6 billion dollars. <laughs> And 1.3 mm-hmm. for Fallen Kingdom, so a little bit of a drop there, but only only 300 million. So yeah, with the first Jurassic Park trilogy, you got the law of diminishing returns, and you see that with pretty much every trilogy, where the next sequel always does less than than the first, even if it does better in the first week. I think The Lost World ended up doing better than Jurassic Park in the first week, and that but did lesser overall. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, especially when you look at budgets too, like sixty-three million for Jurassic Park, seventy-five for Lost World, ninety-three for Jurassic Park Three, and then the, mm-hmm. the, the, the just how much diminished, like a, a billion for Jurassic Park, then down to six hundred 
million for mm. uh, Lost World, and they pretty much halved it down to three hundred and fifty million for Jurassic Park Three. So mm. we're not seeing that greater drop between World and Fallen Kingdom. So hopefully, yeah, being being the last one, Dominion <laughs> might um might pick it up again. But at the same time, to be fair, I don't see an adjusted for an inflation here. Yeah, yeah. On the uh, graphs you posted, so Jurassic World may have done better than Jurassic Park. I've never looked at the comparison when in- adjusted for inflation. Because, mm. I mean, let's remember that Jurassic Park came out 27 years ago. Yeah. Yep. Plus it... Uh... Or 28. 28, yeah. yeah Almost pl- 28 now. Mm. Plus it got a, um, a re- re-release... Uh, when was it? The end of last year or start of this year? Come back out in theaters again. Once, once again, the biggest movie of the week, or whatever it was. But there's been a lot of lot of films here. Looking at uh, uh, where did I go? Mojo, box office Mojo, whatever it is. Um, all the Lord of the Rings films have been re-released. Um, mm-hmm. So there's yeah, there's stuff here everywhere. But um, Universal was... likes to re-release Jurassic Park movies. They just don't like to add extra content to them to make them worth re-releasing. <laughs> yeah, well, a big one here too, like the um, World War Z has been re-released and only got half a million. <laughs> so, <clears throat> that'd be your probably biggest blockbuster over the last couple of weeks that um, has been out there. But Like, for example, I know that James Cameron's Avatar, when it re-released in the theatres, included like 15 more minutes of footage. <laughs> And um, Avengers, when it were re-released in the theaters, included like one additional deleted scene. It was that amounted, I think, to up to like 15 minutes, or I mean, one, three minutes. Yeah, yeah, just a little bit of a hook to get people back in the back in the theaters when. Exactly. So I think that if Universal were to do that with a Jurassic Park movie, namely the first movie that we've never seen footage of a deleted scene from outside of that leaf grab shot in the trailer mm. I think people would flock to the theater well I haven't got the I didn't go looking for those stats but I wonder um, the 3D release in 2012 or 13 whenever it was um, if that if that was enough of a, uh, a hook to get mass audiences back to see Jurassic Park or people just wanted to see Jurassic Park in the theaters they either didn't see it in the theaters <laughs> Mm-hmm. That was it for me. I know for me, I had never seen Jurassic Park in theaters, and so seeing it, just being able to see it in theaters was a hook for me. Yeah. And I ended up seeing it once in 3D, and then again in just normal 2D, because they released both. They re released in both. Yep. Yeah, just the the, the sounds, the, <laughs> the 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 noise of being able to see the animals on screen again would be absolutely fantastic. Sadly, I haven't had a chance to see it on the big screen yet. So, I'm... I'm yeah, anyway. Um, Bucket list is The Lost World on the big screen, but I doubt that'll ever happen. Well, yeah, I don't think it... It only happened sort of in um, select cinemas for the anniversary last year, or 2019. Um, uh, no, that wouldn't have been an anniversary. Must have been 2017. No. <clears throat> yeah, had for to twenty years, yeah. Oh, yeah, twenty-five year next year, so maybe, yeah. But again, that's, again, that's just some theater chains here and there going. Well, it's the anniversary. Let's show it if they've still got access to it. 
Anyway, <laughs> enough about that. For uh, We'll be back to discuss more on uh, what the teaser may be when we uh, talk about the minutes end of the month. Mm. Whether it's that, whether it's a logo, we'll, we'll, um, poster, we'll, we'll see. We'll talk about it when we get there. Get ACU out here, real guns this time. ACU is airborne. They took the helicopter. Who's flying it? All right, Dave, uh, before we talk about 76... Um, we're going to head over to Jurassic-pedia.com briefly to talk about the, uh, the Jurassic World aviary on Isla Nublar. And, my God, what a monstrosity it is. <laughs> I hate this design. Um... <laughs> it's not my favourite, but I can. it does kind of fit with the aesthetic of the rest of the park at the same time, you know? Yeah, yeah, true. So I've got the article written up here from uh, 2012... Which seems early. Did we get concept art or something for this before the film came out? I don't think so. Hmm. It's three years before the film came oh, out. Oh, that's right. You know, now I remember why. Originally, this article referred to the aviary from Jurassic Park, the game. Ah, okay. So this was a rewritten article that referred to that and not to Jurassic World. So that that's, that's why... It says that. Yep. Yep, it's a bit of a write-up here of um, the aviary itself. We're going to talk more about when we get into the minutes uh, with <laughs> the action and um, mm-hmm. other things that take place there. But, um, yep, good little article to get read up on the aviary because we uh, we only get sort of the one shot of it, or a couple of shots of it. It reminds me a lot of uh, just that CG shot from Jurassic Park 3 looking down over the lab complex, just... A one-off um, a shot from uh, Owen and Claire's perspective. We do get a couple of close ones. There was uh, the mm-hmm. popcorn cups like from the theatres that showed more the interior uh, with the catwalks and airways and that walkways. Um, yeah, the... I think it was a shot that showed... Um, it was concept art that they used as a photo of... I presume some kind of like small bird aviary or something like that, that they were trying to pass off as a larger kind of Tronodon aviary, and that was the viewing platform where presumably you looked at them from behind glass so that you didn't get pecked at, you know? <laughs> oh, okay. I'll have to, to check the uh, me concept art folder, because I seem to remember one that had... Um, saw that classic shot of the Tronodon coming up in front of you with its wings spread. Uh, you could see the waterfalls and everything oh, yeah. in the background. Um, and also, yeah, that was seemingly... Yeah. It was it was that, and then there was a Tronodon in front of it, I think. Yeah, but I I didn't realise it was glassy. I thought it was open air, which doesn't doesn't lend uh, to what we see with their behaviour in the next couple of minutes, um, especially when uh, people are around. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, for more, now head over to dress-peter.com dot com and check that out. Check that article out, and then uh, many more. The implant will shock it if it gets too close to a perimeter fence. Okay, it's moving really fast. This is control put on a park-wide well, alert. Hang up the damn phone, please. Sorry, I'm getting new information. Everything's fine. Let asset containment capture it quietly. The very existence of this park is predicated on our ability to handle incidents like this. It was an eventuality, okay? You should put that in the brochure. Eventually, one of these things will eat somebody. Dave, ready to get into minute 76. Uh, yeah. Minute 76 of Jurassic World opens with Indominus crashing into the rotunda 
and ends with Jurassic World 01 flying towards the aviary. Uh, as we roar in a minute 76, Indominus bellows to no one in the uh, in the lobby of the old visitor centre. Um, it's a game I hide and seek, but um, it being with the humans, it's over, they're gone. Um, before it can react, we hear the helicopter flying nearby, and she looks up, or crocks her head up, and uh, looks through the roof, listening, and then you can... Um, I think we get the shadow of the helicopter fly over here, don't we? Yeah, kind of. I mean, we just get, like, a shadow and the sound of the rotors passing over the jungle, really. Yeah, yeah. But then she uh, she turns and goes back out the way she come in, <laughs> through that big hole she made in the back of the building. And that's that's the last we see of the old visitor centre uh, until Camp Cretaceous Season 3. Sadly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think we've talked <laughs> at that length about uh, about the visitor centre. Um good and bad parts, but uh, I think if they were going to return to something from Jurassic Park for the newer films, the Visitor Center was definitely one of those uh, those key spots. Um, it's a shame we didn't get something more from it, or uh, obvious places we've been to before in Dominion, apart from uh, that Explorer being upside down, but that's another movie, and we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there eventually. Um, mm-hmm. We cut to a very dense-looking part of jungle, but there seems to be a path, or it might even be the road the kids were driving on, but uh, Owen and Claire are running along it. It might have been. I mean, it's just so... I love this shot, though, because it's just like a huge wall of green, and it makes the humans look so small. Yeah. And it kind of harkens back to um, what Masrani said about how Jurassic World is there to make you feel new and small and kind of humbled yep you know yep. and this shot is kind of like that perfect representation because you got these giant i mean everything basically you got the giant trees you got the giant vines you got the giant grass it's you you might as well be a mouse <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it must be a path and not the road because like they go up behind a tree and you can see them climb up over the roots as they go behind there well the, mm-hmm. the path changes elevation anyway but um you you're reminded of this Masrani quote i'm reminded of just lost world when sarah and ian are walking through the redwoods talking and sarah's trying to climb over that log <laughs> even though julianne moore's not the tallest person to just she's trying to straddle this log <laughs> just a big redwood that's laying across the ground because they're insects in this massive jungle this massive old jungle mm-hmm and you can you can guarantee if you turn the camera one eight as a golf course or something there. It's I'm, I'm guessing this is on <laughs> this is on this is on Hawaii and uh, they've just got the camera on a on a trackway here um, on the side of the ninth hole or something. <laughs> yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> I was gonna say it could even be like they're not on the trail, but the camera is like with the, um like you mentioned the redwoods with Sarah Harding the camera itself was on the trail but they were just walking like 30 feet off the trail mm. with the cam with the camera track laid down yeah and it's sort of weird here too like we know she said earlier that that road goes to the old park so well, it goes back to the park so presumably they'll be following the road knowing the boys are ahead of them in the jeep um mm-hmm. or whether this is a shortcut we know we know from the novel and maybe it was some part of the lead scene where Indomus actually chased them out of the visitor centre and they were off the path because of uh, it sort of hunting them. Whether now they're trying to get their way back on the path, it, 
it's weird. We'll get to it more in a couple of minutes' time when they just emerge from the jungle in a in an employee area where people are running around. Like they don't go through any fences or anything that we see. They just seem to follow yeah, this weird. path. Yeah. And and even the geography of the uh, the island too. Putting this uh, putting the old visitor center much more centrally in the island than what we know it to be um, from Jurassic Park anyway. But uh, she's on her phone. So all of a sudden her phone works or she remembered she's got it in her back pocket um, uh, Larry found her south of the Gyrosphere Valley uh, between the old park and the aviary so we know, we definitely know on the map where the aviary is, it's sort of north central um, just below the restricted zone boundary and the old park's between uh, no Oh, south of Gyrosphere Valley so yeah the the old park sort of inland towards the middle of the island a little bit more from where the aviary is. Um, yeah. But it sort of gives us that better idea of where, where it is um, mm-hmm. on this new Nublar. My biggest problem with it is that they like turned the new island, the new Isla Nublar is like huge. Much bigger, almost, no, actually, yeah, I, actually kind of bigger than Isla Sorna, and yet they're traversing these great lengths of... And they do this in Camp Cretaceous, too. They traverse these great lengths of distance in minutes. And it's like, how? Yeah. Well, that's that's, that's the thing. It's it's not meant to be a large island. Um, we know from, uh, well, the novel, anyway, you could see the sort of the, the visitor center in the, the hills in the north from um, much mm-hmm. of the island just because of the way the, it's hilly in the north and goes down to the flat lowlands in the south same Nedry being able to get from the visitor centre which is sort of in the west all the way across to the east dock in 15-20 minutes in the jeep mm-hmm. of course the road's not as the crow flies um, even the kids being able to grant yeah, the kids being able like to walk a lot back of switchbacks. yeah yeah, yeah. Well, you look at any of the maps with the the, the roads on there; they all over the place. And it's sort of one thing, not really discussed before, but you'd need the maintenance roads on Nublar uh, back in the day to traverse the island because all the shots we see of the explorer on the tour road, apart from when they get to the rest area at the Trenosaur paddock, is all single trackway, um, single trackway roads for the tour vehicles to travel on. So you wouldn't be able to get around in a, a group of explorers if you're in a maintenance vehicle anyway. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, we there's there's many issues with these new... with the new map they've made for Nublar and where they've stuck things on it. That 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 sort of... Those issues are, are well known <laughs> to everyone. Um, <laughs> but we cut to uh, Lowry in the control room. <laughs> are you following the dinosaur? <laughs> Doesn't realise they're on foot. Which brings up the other thing. They just leave the G-Wagon back at the gyrosphere. Just... <laughs> I think they did, yes. Yeah. It sort of makes sense a little bit while we get a G-Wagon in Camp Cretaceous Season 3 at the Visitor Centre. If they drove, got as close to the Visitor Centre as they could and left it there. But, yeah, it's just weird they don't go back for the car. <laughs> Especially when they, where they're on foot. Well, here, they're, they're implied they're following the Indominus, but... Um, following the path they may be, but you'd think they'd be following the boys in the jeep in the road. But anyway. Claire's still running. Yes, uh, get ACU here. Real guns this time. She hasn't been kept up to speed with what's going on, because Larry shakes his head. <laughs> ACU is airborne. They took the helicopter. And that's when Claire looks surprised. Who's flying it? 
<laughs> Did she know that there's more parts on the island? If Mezrani's... Or well, maybe she's just concerned that it better not be Mezrani. Well, it might have been that she assumed... Or she knew what happened to that to Mezrani's pilot and... It was like, wait, if the pilot went back home, who's flying the helicopter? <laughs> <laughs> well, we discussed early on too. Did did Masrani come to the island and commandeered a helicopter to do his to fly out to the Indominus paddock? There's helicopter tours on the island, so surely there's got to be a, a park employee that's a pilot as well. Um, he's obviously not here to to do this because, of course, Masrani doesn't need anyone else. He rolls his sleeves up and. And does it himself, as we learnt from previous minutes. But uh, mm. also, too, she's she's saying get ACU airborne. We never get a real a real number of how many ACU troopers there are on the island. We're going to see coming up. There's still uh, troopers on the on the walls around the the, uh, the resort. We've seen a heap earlier on the helipad getting it ready, getting the chopper ready for to go after the Indominus. So there there must be a fairly large team. They didn't send everyone after the Indominus in the first skirmish. To be fair, I don't think the guys that were guarding the gate were actually ACU, but rather, I think they were um, just regular regular uh, park security who were there to make sure that the, nobody kind of tried to climb off the gate, you know? Well, yeah, we'll get there in a couple of minutes' time, but also if they've been recruited as... Um... To, for security, if they got everyone back inside the walls to the resort, they're going to have one every, every, all eyes on that wall to uh, to eyeball the Indominus if she comes close because they can't track her at the moment. But we're going to get there. Those two guys just—it almost reminds me of the the guys at the perimeter fence for the helicopter pad in Jurassic Park. They just sit there and wait for uh, helicopters to come and go. But uh, that's when we cut to Maserani behind the controls of the helicopter. He turns to the trooper in the seat beside him. Did you boys serve in the armed forces? Um, the trooper nods, Afghanistan, sir. And uh, noticeably now his night vision goggles are gone, but the guy in the back on the gun does have his night vision, so I wonder if there's been a swap swap here of uh, helmets or something between filming. Maybe, or, I mean, maybe just somebody told me it was stupid and nobody told the other guy. <laughs> yeah. Carl, you look stupid with those uh, things. Hey, nobody tell Pete. I don't like Pete. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially now, if Masrani asking if they served, um, we don't know what what branch. Uh, he's he airborne in as a co-pilot, so maybe um, maybe Blackhawks or something. Um, choppers well, would have to be choppers in and out of um, Afghanistan, unless he's just a. Uh, just a grunt or a marine or something. We don't really get any backstory. I don't think this this character gets named no. in the credits. So, um, and he's not long for this world either. So I suppose it doesn't really matter. But maybe just trying to. Yep, you served in the military, so these guys should know what uh, what they're doing. Unfortunately, unfortunately not. Mazarin looks back at the trooper on the gun. Uh, did your general ever fly into battle with you? <laughs> I can guarantee that's a no. <laughs> Well, then it would probably have to be the army because the Marines go in with the Navy. Mm. They they usually go in with through via amphibious assault with the Navy, while the army is dropped in with the Air Force. Yeah, true, true. 
I just love how Mazarone is referring to himself as a general. <laughs> At the same time, because I would imagine that somebody who would serve would make that correction. Would like you're you're like your general ever fly in with you? No, I served in the Marines, sir. He dove in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then again, essentially, this guy is your boss and worth a lot of money. Um, are you going to sit there and? Um, correct him, or just just nod your head and smile, going, "Yep, yes, <laughs> yes sir." <laughs> but they uh, they all smile, they all smile, and um, but the comedic mo- moments broken up by the uh, helicopter hitting some turbulence. <laughs> Mosrani fights with the controls. So, got it, got it. Um, so again, just showing that um, he's still a bit shaky flying flying here, which unfortunately, what happens <laughs> coming up is no fault of his own. Um, or his ability to control the aircraft. Yeah. But as the uh, as the chopper flies over the jungle, we can hear Vivian on the radio. We have eyes on the target uh, in the south near the aviary. Proceed and engage. And also this fly over here too. We get once again that uh, that big cliff in the back with the white the white rock, which uh, we seen earlier when mm-hmm. they're flying to the um, Indominus enclosure, and because it's come up in um, Godzilla as well. I think the Kong's big handprint was on this white rock uh, out, outcrop as well. Rock face. Yeah, I think you're right, actually. Yeah. Um, it must be an easily accessible filming location. Mm. That's also mountainous, so if they need mountainous jungle, this is the spot they go to, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, again, just behind the helicopter, it probably just drops down to low, low flat um, grazing land or something. So you, you can get a good look mm-hmm. at it from there without um, trekking too far into the hills. But Masrani jokes again. Come on, look alive, boys! Look alive! <laughs> and smiles, <laughs> trying to uh, trying to trying to uh, get the boys into it. Um, we're going after an animal. We're gonna we're gonna kill something. <laughs> um, Come on, let's shoot something! Yeah. <laughs> uh, we cut to Claire as she runs out of the long grass towards a uh, clearing overlooking the aviary, and the helicopter flies directly overhead towards it. Um, and we get our first look at <laughs> this big glass bubble, which you said uh, earlier sort of matches the aesthetic of the island. It looks like something out of Star Trek. <laughs> just, just how, um, how. I do not like the um, what for whatever reason those arms are sticking out of the bottom with the um with like the bars going going up them i'm not really sure it kind of like makes it look like it's a uh covered fruit bowl <laughs> <laughs> well it definitely got the snow globe look <laughs> i'm just not sure what his purpose is and i hate that i don't know in an in an in the novel um the avery is described as a shiny shiny aluminium struts with uh, fine mesh to be able to let the the airflow and weather in but not let the animals out and in Jurassic Park 3 we've seen sort of similar thing with the large beams and that finer mesh mm-hmm. or chain link mesh to uh, enclose the dome and even in the novel Grant says that uh, the aviary couldn't be made of glass it would be too heavy and collapse in on itself we know I think it's said in the novel um, next minute that it's a poly polycarbonate glass I'm guessing the same as a gyrosphere but that's it's got yeah. to be a massive weight, and I can see those sort of pillars um, being some sort of counterweights for the dome, maybe for the uh, the dome structure. Yeah, but that's true. It, it just 
it looks weird and the shot doesn't look complete we know there's a monorail that goes to the aviary there's no there's no trackway visible in the any of these um, exterior shots also in the novel it's described that it's built against the mountain it's sort of not a complete dome um, which is why inside you get a lot of the rocky rocky terrain and um, escarpments inside the aviary is actually the mountain it's built against but it's sort of hard to see it here again it just looks like a big glass dome yeah it does and i mean i can see it, but we never see from the other side so it's kind of difficult to imagine and i can kind of see i mean just looking through it the mountain going into the dome that like a ridge of the mountain going into the dome and the dome kind of being built around that ridge and actually, now that I look at it, I can see a, ma- a monorail track in the distance behind the dome. So it must go off behind the dome and dock probably somewhere along the mountainside. Oh, okay. Well, it the, the, the might actually be in the have a tunnel going in and have a um mm. a rocky overhang at the at the monorail station or something. And and we know even though Jurassic Park Three that aviary wasn't designed or built for guests. Um, or anything there, or to be a long-term habitat for the Trinodons. Being able to use a natural a natural rock face or something as a barrier, it's going to cost you a lot of money in landscaping for one, and if you've got uh, streams or whatever, waterfalls coming in at certain points as well, you've got a water source for the animals, and you've got something spectacular for the guests to be able to take photos as the, the birds are circling the waterfalls and that as well. So um, I can see it being built against the the rock there, much like we've seen in Jurassic Park 3. I, I think mm-hmm. it's just my problem with looking at these shots on an iPad and not on uh, something larger and Blu-ray, Blu-ray scale, because it's sort of, it's almost mix, missing that texture or or um, detail in the dome as well. We know when we get close, you can see those geometric shapes that it's built up of. We're mm-hmm. here, it's just sort of that shiny blue or again, on my iPad it is anyway. <laughs> it might be might be different on Blu-ray on a big TV. Um, it has like a kind of a almost like a um, rushed metal look to it, and then the blue looks to be re- reflecting from the sky. Hmm. But we're going to get up close and personal <laughs> with the Avery shortly. Um, as the minute ends, uh, one of the troopers yells, 10 o'clock by the birdcage. And yeah, it's not really it's not really a cage. It's a, a big um, a big glass bubble. But uh, yeah, I'm still not a fan of it. <laughs> Just the design. Anything else on that uh, before we get into novel comparisons? Uh, no, I think we're good. All right. As Owen and Claire watch the Indominus run away after the helicopter, Owen tells Claire to call ACU, tell them to send everything. Um, everything they've got. So something missing there from the film that it was Owen to tell to call ACU. Um, when Larry tells ACU took the helicopter, he adds Jurassic One is armed and dangerous, which I'm glad was <laughs> cut. <laughs> we don't need to know know that we've seen it earlier. And the aviary is described as a colossal domed cage of steel and bicarbonate glass. So again, that's described as what it's uh, actually built from, but. Uh, Dave, that's it for 76. We'll get out of you for today. All right. 